Hello and welcome to another edition of the Unraveling Technology podcast. It's me, Joe Tonks, joined as ever by David Johnson. Hello. And again by Jonathan Ford. Hello. Hello. I'll specify from the outset, we do sometimes call Jonathan Joe, which is why the last time he was on we kept referring to him as Joe, which would it's be a bit very confusing. confusing, yeah. It is. I apologise. I apologise massively for that. Um, sorry that we uh, didn't have a podcast up last week. It's been a bit hectic going into the Christmas se- season. Um, I only bought my advent calendar yesterday. I don't even have one yet. What? Well, you've got one now because I brought one to the office. Yes, we have. Are we going to do the roulette thing that we did last year where we sort of randomly pick somebody to get the chocolate for each day? Probably. And it's one of those where the Christmas Eve chocolate is pretty massive. And I don't think there's going to be many people here on Christmas Eve either, so... No, that's true. No. Joe, Advent Gallagher? Or Jonathan? Whatever you like. Whatever you like. No, not yet. Oh, well. Get in there fast. They're all reduced at the moment. I got mine for about 50p each. Really? Asda. Again. After looking everywhere, I found that, you know those big crates they used to move all the food around in Asda? One of those just full of all these advent calendars. The ones that I got light up. Are you sure they're not from last year? Well, yeah. You wouldn't know, would you, with advent calendar chocolate, because it all tastes awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Mars. It's the... I can't remember the brand. It starts with a K, and it's a heart in the logo. It's Star Wars branded, though, so... Yeah. So, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it for the art on the the advent calendar alone, to be honest. Probably save it. You can sell them even later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll bring you on in. Right then, so uh, today we're going to be talking about 30 years of Windows. Uh, This was something that Joe brought to my attention is that as of last month, it's been uh, 30 years since the first version of Microsoft Windows was released. Uh, Something that I didn't have a lot of experience with, uh, Windows 1 or 2. In fact, I'll I'll be honest with you. I didn't think there was a Windows before Windows 3.1 that was sort of commercially available. I thought they were test builds. So <laughs> looking into this episode has been quite eye-opening. How about yourselves? First experiences with Windows. David? We, um, our first home computer was Windows 95. We got on quite late in the sort of train, but I had several friends who were running 3.11. Um, so I remember doing a lot of stuff with 3.11 or at least booting the computer into 3.11 and then loading DOS from it and then playing DOS games. Yeah, <laughs> which you can still do through that DOS box app, can't you, if you want to play DOS games these days? Yes, nowadays. Yeah. How about yourself, Joe? Yeah, 3.1 as well. Um, mainly Minesweeper. Yeah. Amazing game. <laughs> I think that was yeah. the first version of Windows that had Minesweeper. Yeah, I, I think I remember reading that. You had Reversi, I think, Reverse-y, in older versions of Windows, but yeah. 3.1, you got Minesweeper. Yeah. Actually, I had a, uh, had a flashback to 3.1 when I was studying computing. And this is, but this is kind of like when we were all on Windows, I think it was Windows 7 at the time, and somebody decided it would be a good idea to practice networking on Windows 3.1, because that would be really easy. <laughs> it was a minefield. <laughs> <laughs> so you played Minesweeper instead. Exactly. Exactly, keeping with the mind theme. Right, so, yeah, Windows 1, Windows 1.0, came out uh, November uh, 1985, I think it was. November so, pr- 20th. Uh, November 20th, yeah. Prior to this, it was all MS-DOS, 
which is a command line interface. So the sort of thing Jason would like, you know, no pictures, only words, you know, really get to the heart of things, typing in commands, etc. Yeah. And this was the first time they slapped a picture on top of it, really. The yeah. Something we're still using today. So Windows 1 wasn't even what we'd call an operating system. It was basically just the front end to make DOS work, make DOS easier to use. So yeah, everything underneath was still Microsoft DOS, just with a pretty graphics on top. You couldn't even do things like you couldn't even overlay the different windows. So they all kind of stacked into or fit into different like corners or sides of the screen. It was it was quite a bit different to what we got nowadays. Oh, they couldn't overlap at all. No, oh. apparently that was a conscious decision. Um, so I don't know if Jonathan knows more about this than I do, but there was some kind of. It's got something to do with Microsoft licensing bits of the Macintosh interface from when they were working on Macintosh programs. And so they had a license to kind of some of the elements of the Macintosh style graphical user interface, but they didn't really want to go too far down that path because they're a bit worried about getting sued, I imagine. So yeah, they've made some conscious decisions about let's not have windows that overlap each other because that's a bit Macintosh. All right. So it wasn't a technical limitation though. Well, from what I've read, that's the implication. Okay. Uh, I mean, I imagine it's easier to do, so maybe it was just a case of, mm, let's not do that in version 1 for all these reasons. Which is quite interesting, because on a fast forward, like even through to like Windows 10, the whole side-by-side -side app thing is now quite a big thing. I was just thinking that. We've come back round to tiles, haven't we? Yeah. In a way, since Windows 8. Yeah. Mm. So these uh, Windows 1 was initially, you were able to run on 256 uh, kilobytes of memory. Um, you didn't even need a hard drive. You just needed a couple, I don't know why a couple, but two double-sided floppy drives. Yeah, I and my research did not extend that far. I guess it's because it you load it off two disks simultaneously, maybe. or maybe one's for reading the operating system, one's for writing files. Could be. Yeah. I, I'm completely guessing here. I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find any good reason why. I, I did some extensive Google searching, but it couldn't tell me what I wanted to know. Have you ever seen that advert from uh, Steve Ballmer where he's advertising Windows 1? No, I didn't. Oh, that's great. It's sort of him sat in front of a computer and going, oh, this is Windows 1, look at it. How much do you think it's worth? $1,000? Oh, I think he starts from a lower number, like like $200. And he's like, what if I told you it's got reverse -y? You can do, you know, your, your word processing on it. Now what's it worth? $500? And I think they sold it for $99 or something. Oh. So whatever you thought it was worth, way less than that. Yeah, but $99 is 30 years ago. Oh, yeah, okay. That's the point. Computers more expensive 30 years ago. Yeah, true, true. And again, we're back to $99. Isn't that how much it is to buy a Windows 10 license? Or it will be after this initial... Free upgrade. Free, yeah, the, the get everybody on board thing. That'd be a nice homage if it was. Yeah, see, it's all, all circular. It's all coming back. Yeah. So then after Windows 1, you had Windows 2 which from what I can tell was just a bit of a visual upgrade, although it did introduce our good friend control panel. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of what you said before about how you don't think that Windows 1 was an operating system so much as a GUI, 
Could you not say that about any operating system, though? Doesn't it all run... Isn't there always something boring in the background behind it? Well, you've got a kernel, basically, mm. which is the underlying stuff, and then, then the pretty graphics on top. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was. it's more of a case of they didn't bring out a new version of MS-DOS. It was just using exactly the same version of MS-DOS that you know, you would have if you bought MS-DOS. It's just, it was this pretty program that runs on top that lets you use File Explorer to go look at different files instead of having to type CD, C colon slash file path. Do you think there's like those diehard fans who are like, it's never going to catch on, I'm just going to stick with MS-DOS. It's never been as good as it's, It is actually a lot quicker in several cases to use command line. If you know where you're going, then it can... You can be quicker to type out commands and you can script things. So, yeah, there are definitely people who will still do stuff through command line instead of using using Windows Explorer and things. It's like people that would say using a keyboard is a lot faster than using a mouse. A lot of people hate the mouse. They say it's one of the worst things to happen to computing. Real diehards. Notable thing that I found about Windows 2 was that if you bought a copy of... Microsoft Word for Windows or Microsoft Excel for Windows, there were versions of that that came with Windows built in. So basically you would, in your MS-DOS computer, load up your copy of Excel, it would fire up a background version of Windows 2, load Excel, and then when you quit Excel it would quit out of Windows again. So it's kind of like running this, firing up this specific instance of Windows purely to run the uh, the Excel and Word programs you bought. That's just waiting to be hacked, wasn't it? Yeah, just thinking <laughs> that. you just got to find a way to get rid of the Excel part of it. Yeah. And you're laughing there. I think it was the uh, Windows 2 when Apple actually did sue as well for the whole similarities to uh, to Apple. To the perhaps. Macintosh. Yeah. To the Macintosh, yeah. In 1988, they claimed that it's, it, and Windows 3 as well, stole the look and feel of the Apple OSs. And it's a... Uh, and that Windows 2 embodied and generated a copy of the Macintosh on PCs. And I think they sought damages for 189 infringed patents, according to InfoWorld. Yeah. It's a bit like modern operating systems on mobile phones, isn't it? If you look at Android and Apple now, having a go each other about stealing features and things. Yeah. yeah. It's quite difficult, isn't it? Because everyone come, comes accustomed to one type of GUI. No one else really thinks Mars outside of that box. So everyone is just fighting over who decided what feature was originally theirs. Yeah, if if one of your competitors has solved a problem, it's very hard to ignore their solution and come up with something that you know wildly is wildly different. Yeah, wildly different, going to take you ages and cost huge amounts, and probably not end up being as good. Mm. Tell you what, it was a great operating system, the iPod. You know, the wheel, the yeah. click wheel. That was great. <laughs> Again, Pong, good game. Yes, Pong. Fantastic operating system. <laughs> yeah, so uh, then after Windows 2, we go to Windows 3 and Windows 3.1. I put this question to David earlier. Jonathan, do you know what was the main thing that distinguished Windows 3 from Windows 3.1? I don't. Oh, it's funny because you mentioned it actually earlier. Networking, yeah. Uh, 3.1 was the first time that you could join a uh, Windows operating system to a domain. So that's when it started, get, started getting more use in that corporate setting. Oh, right. Yeah, wow. they threw that in there and work groups, etc. 
of the old work group. I can't imagine what an office running on 3.1 would look like. We had, we had a computer lab at school that was filled with 3.1 machines. Did I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me and David went to the same school, by the way. I think <laughs> all the same schools. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Up until university. Parted ways at university. Yeah. Um, yes. They, I don't know, it was a, I think it was in like the English block. It wasn't in the IT block. So I guess Ooh. they were probably cast off computers <laughs> after they upgraded to Windows 95 or NT or something like that. It feels like it could be another social, like next social, 3.1, <laughs> everyone gets their MLS out. Yeah, we talked about our social to Bletchley Park, didn't we? Yeah. Well, so if we can't get there, we'll just go to the old uh, English suite at our school and have a look <laughs> at the 3.1s. Just as rich in history. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All we did with them was make animations, seem to remember. Oh, I think I might remember this, actually. I think you're right. Drawing frame by frame yeah. in, in paint and saving them out as GIFs somehow. That's right. I did a roller coaster. It was like a first-person GIF of like a person on Oblivion, I think it was. It followed it around the track. Yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. That was 3.1. You're right. And the best thing about Windows 3.1 as well, it introduced the boot noise. I've got it right here. I'm going <laughs> to play it now. Okay, I'm going to wait for it. Wait. There you go. That's Windows 3.1. Cut off Windows 95 one. Yeah. Because we, we had a mutual friend who had a Windows 3.1 machine. It was great. Brilliant. Playing Sim Farm. You know, like Sim City and things like that. There was Sim Farm where you ran a farm. And it used the onboard speaker. Mm. So, just this horrible <laughs> noise. It was great. Yeah. Have you ever heard of um, Microsoft Bob? Yes. In kind of, I've come across it. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually seen it in the wild anywhere, but uh, no. I've heard tales. I think that's probably testament to how, you know, useless it was. What was it for? It was, I think it was, it started with three, Windows 3.1 or 3, and I think it might have been on NT as well. Uh, I think, no, I think it was only on a version of Windows and it very quickly got scrapped. Essentially, I thought at this point, the operating system was a new concept. And it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, you, you click your icons and it loads up programs. And obviously that wasn't straightforward enough for some people. So it was it was kind of like a virtual house. So you're in a house, it's got lots of different rooms. And if you needed to do something on this computer, you would go to the room in the house that would have the item that you would use. So for instance, if you wanted to, you think, oh, I'm going to pet a letter. You go into the study and then you click on the desk and it would load up Microsoft Writer or whatever the writing app was called. Mm. Why clean your hard drive and go to the kitchen? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it covers that kind of... I don't know um, what apps would run out of the kitchen, to be I honest. I don't know. I'm, I'm not even clear whether it was that case. You you had some level of customization on it, so you could like stick lava lamps and fireplaces and books around and kind of display different things and kind of choose your rooms that you wanted and customize the different rooms. Um, I don't know what level you could move kind of like the, the inbuilt functions, the, the writer link and the schedule planner and mm. the... It had an email system as well, which uh, 
was with some closed required some email account with some third party that only ever talked to other email accounts with the same third party right yeah it sounds very customizable for something that's so primitive though yeah i mean i guess the whole idea was it was just kind of we've gone from the dos prompt of typing everything to the gui the graphical user interface of windows and now we're going even friendlier with with a proper picture and stuff but it's, it's it didn't, it's didn't though, catch on it's funny though isn't it because if you go back to command line you have to remember a lot of the commands to then go to a gui is kind of like i'm just going to have a hunt around until i find the thing i'm looking for you mm. thought that would be a lot easier than remembering a whole bunch of commands yeah. whereas apparently not if, if bob was needed yeah instead of remembering a, a command you just got to rummage under the sink until you find windows <laughs> disk cleanup or whatever do you remember in windows xp when you did a search, you could see a little dog, yeah. a little 3D dog. Oh, so yeah. that dog is Rover, and he first appeared in Microsoft Bob. Oh, wow. Uh, so you yeah. had a bunch of, you had a customizable, in fact, it's, it's kind of, I guess, carried on into the office assistant. We all, all love Clippy. Yeah. <laughs> the paper clip. It wasn't just uh, Clippy either. There was like Mother Earth and there was maybe a, a robot. There was a cat. I used the cat. A cat. Um, but yeah, that that kind of idea came from Microsoft Bob. So you had these these assistants that would sit in the in the house and talk to you, and apparently they would they'd all kind of say the same thing, but it would occasionally substitute different verbs depending on the different and like different adjectives depending on which assistant you chose. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, weird. Great. Yeah. Technology. I got random random Microsoft Bob fact that I came across. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get too sidetracked. I didn't know what Microsoft Bob was like two hours ago, and now I'm getting <laughs> the facts. Go on. So when the Windows XP CD was being created, um, they still had about 30 megabytes left. So XP, the installer, took up all but about 30 megabytes of a CD. And back in those days when everybody mostly had dial-up and things, they thought that if they filled the CD up and made it the full 700 megabytes, then it would take that much longer for people to download it. So it would be yet another obstacle in sort of in the way of pirating. Oh, so right. they decided they were going to fill up the remaining 30 meg. That's a great technique. Just make it really glitters. <laughs> Man, it's crazy how times have changed. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so that, instead of just generating something completely random, they found the Microsoft Bob files and encrypted them and then stuck them on the CD. So every copy of Windows XP that's on a CD has 30 megabytes of encrypted Microsoft Bob files. <laughs> that's great. I might go and look into that, see if I can find them. Apparently when they generated the encryption password, he just slammed the keyboard several times. So nobody actually knows what the, how to decrypt them. <laughs> But if you can figure that out, then yeah. you could get a free copy of Microsoft Bob. I'll give it to Jason for an hour. He'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Windows 3.1 as well. Did you see that? It was quite recently about um, the French airports. Mm. Uh, there was running a lot of its underlying systems on Windows 3.1, and they finally finally crashed or something it's the other Orly, day. is it? Is Orly, that how you pronounce that? I think that? so, Yeah. So they've got a, a system called Decor, which does some kind of weather monitoring, I right. think. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's for fog and things like that. It helps to guide things in in fog. 
Yeah. So they were unable to tell the pilots how far, uh, what's the term, the runway visible range, the RVR. They couldn't tell the pilots what the RVR was because the system that was running on Windows 3.1 went down. <laughs> what, just one one computer running 3.1? I, I, I don't know, but the system the system they've got there is still on Windows 3.1, and yeah. So this was 11th of November mm. that this went down. Unbelievable. I don't, I don't know if it's still the case, but it used to be, like a few years, like a few years back, that a lot of point-of-sale systems were still running on MS-DOS. Mm. Yeah. It's, ama- it's amazing how many of those systems have just been stuck in the past, because someone's written it, it kind of works, it doesn't really have any front end apart from the point of sale or the, the monitoring and everyone just kind of leaves it and gets on with life yeah problem it's, it's either you know it's too much hassle to upgrade or it's such a versatile operating system that why would you ever well, need to maybe. but it just takes somebody to hack it because it's so insecure because it's written 30 years ago or how long mm. that's where you start running into problems isn't it yeah the other issue is that now all these companies are all the people who know how to use these programs and who are the experts are all retiring. So, I mean, like NASA, for instance, has the Voyager, which the only remaining person who knows how to operate that, who's an expert in the in the software that that runs, is going to, due to retire shortly. So they're going to be putting out a um, a job posting for somebody who needs to be fluent in nineteen seventies software. <laughs> Mad. Better get some good documenting going there. Yeah. Very big on documentation. So. All right. So next, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over Windows NT unless anyone's got any anything important to say about it. I think it was a bit of a bridge between 3.1 and and 95. Well, not exactly. It was, was a it, a it was a completely concept? different code base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything. Windows 95, Windows 3.1, they were all built on top of MS-DOS. Whereas NT, NT started life as, so IBM created something called OS2. They had their own proprietary operating system. NT was going to be a new version of OS2, although Microsoft and IBM parted ways and then that kind of deal fell through and then I think they ended up rewriting most of it anyway but yeah it started life as a completely different thing and then they kept the code after they split up with IBM and eventually the NT code worked its way into Windows XP but for a while there were kind of two completely different code bases running okay then there was 2000 as well wasn't there there was 2000 yeah which was written on NT Mm, yes And where does Windows ME fall into all that? Or are we not talking about ME? Everyone just skips over it, let's be honest. ME was a stopgap, basically. I think everyone gets, you know, upset over Vista, but it sounds to me, from what I've heard, sounds to ME, like (laughs) Windows Millennium Edition was probably even worse than Vista at the time. Yeah, it it had some notable bugs. It was. I, you mean you mean features? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> features like the big, one of the big bullet point selling point things was Windows System Restore, which didn't work in some cases and rendered your computer unusable. And they set themselves quite a hard deadline, didn't they? Like calling the, it Millennium Edition. Like they got to bring it around <laughs> yeah. two thousand. 
Well, and then in the back of their minds, they're going, oh yeah, well, there's other things that might break. They could be looking to that as well. Did they compensate for the Y2K bug? Maybe. <laughs> You'd hope so. That's just one job as far as I'm concerned. Whereabouts, whereabouts did it fit in? Was it before or... Because basically it was a stopgap until the next version of Windows. It came, it came was it, XP, didn't it? Was it between 2000 and XP? Yeah, it was, yeah. 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 But 2000, for me, 2000 was the offering system I started using. It was the, yeah. it was the most common one because that was the first one we had at school. Yeah, I think that's mm. what we had at school, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Outside of the domain. English department. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Windows 2000 domain was the first domain I ever hacked. Really? Yeah. I... I don't know if this is hacking per se, but uh, when I was at school, we figured out a way to use the net send command to send a message to all the computers. Yes, I yeah. remember that. David remembers that. You were, in, were you in a maths lesson at the time or something? Or I, I don't know. I don't know. But all the teachers who were using their networked 2000 machines got a message jump up on the screen that just said, woo. <laughs> Joe, Joe Tonks aged however old you were. Yeah, I didn't think it through. <laughs> Sat in an IT room sending a message to every computer in the building. <laughs> because our friend Steve told me to. said, do it, do it. <laughs> Why not? It surely won't work. Oh, but it did. Yeah. We all <laughs> learned a lot that day. See, I remember it because we, I was already at school, and then the school was like, right, we're going to get computers in the school, and that was like quite a big thing already. Yeah. And they've got this, all these new Windows 2000 computers, and there's some in the IT lab, and there's some down in the sixth form common room, and a few teachers had in their rooms. And I remember saying to my teacher, like to my IT teacher, I was like, do you mind if I try and hack into the network? And it was like, and he was like, sure, knock yourself out. And I was like, Great, I will. <laughs> and then in between lessons, or like just at the end of lessons, when I got bored with the workroom, I was just looking around and just looking at the bin set up. And I think it was in two weeks I managed to make myself a domain administrator on the network. Really? Like, how did you get into that? Oh, I don't think I could disclose that sort of thing. <laughs> doesn't that doesn't that just encourage other people to do the same? Or well, in case anyone's still running a two thousand network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those people are still running it. Yeah, I mean, I've not been back to that school for a while. We don't know that things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that things have changed. Yeah, but it was fun for the challenge, though. I think for me, the the only thing I actually did a bit like your net sender commands. I just found the com the school wallpaper and changed it away from the school colours into just luminous pink. And at the click of a save button, every computer in the school went bright pink. Mm. That's great. <laughs> oh, well done. All right, well, uh, we'll talk about uh, 95 and 98 briefly then. Uh, 95 was my first home machine. Mm. It was great. Got it with like a, a joystick and everything. It was our uncle that supplied our computers because he was in IT at the time. So he always got us the new ones. And uh, yeah, this was like, uh, I think after the success of 3 and 3.1, they really wanted to you know, drum up commercial interest for this one. So they, they got the Rolling Stones to, to sing in a song over like over their, their adverts for, uh, you know, introducing the start button and all mm -hmm. that. So start me off over images of the start button. Probably their, their hippest advert since the Internet Explorer 11 one. Nah, no, Internet Explorer 11's got to be the hippest one since then. Yeah. <laughs> a modern browser. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, 95 was great. That also had a good startup jingle as well. Yeah. No, um, we uh, we had 95 as our first one. And that was... Having our own computer was just amazing. Yeah. I remember getting phoned up, though. Because, like, um, we, we were quite late adopters of computers, generally, in our family. So 
everybody else had had 95 for ages and then we got 95. I remember getting phoned up when I was at a friend's house because my mum couldn't remember how to shut the computer down. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Well, not a lot's changed in some cases. I mean, Windows Windows 8, people couldn't find the start bar for ages. So, yeah. Yeah. What a big bit at the bottom of the start. Well, no, was, Windows 8, there was nothing was that you, eight you had to hover to find it. Yeah, when Windows 8 came out, there's various videos of tech people showing it to their parents and saying things like, oh, bring up the start menu and you know, load a program. And they're just getting completely confused because it was so different with the, uh, with the modern UI and the, the big full screen start menu screen thing and yeah is that windows 8 this windows 8 this yeah. was yeah yeah it's great which is interesting go back to what we we're saying earlier actually about when we we're talking about apple and microsoft right at the beginning and then being quite similar is actually microsoft these days i mean coming to later but microsoft these days are trying to push the boundaries of what the modern os could look like or could, and how it could be used i think more over perhaps than, than apple might be but it's interesting isn't it you could argue if it's not broke well yeah so. yeah but innovation though, Jay. Yeah, what they need to do is take Mac OS, take the keyboard away, introduce a kind of wheel. <laughs> I'm thinking a wheel that maybe you could... But how do you know when you've turned the wheel enough? Maybe... Like clicking noises. If we're clicking, going... clicking wheel. Yeah, like a click wheel. I can literally feel the hate right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start wasting time. What's your favourite Windows 95 screensaver? Oh, Starfield. Yeah, I quite like Starfield. 3D Maze. 3D Maze is, mm. is amazing. 3D and Maze was great. The fact you could choose what texture you wanted for the ceiling and the walls and yeah. the floor and all that. Was the, was the 3D Pipes one in Windows? Yeah, in, in fact, um, I know a little Easter egg about that. Yeah? Yeah, there was a hidden, there was a hidden texture because you had the one where the pipes had run all over the place. And you could, there was a hidden texture somewhere which would turn it into like a candy cane, sort of red and white striped. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah? Seen it with his own eyes. It exists. There was something, um, oh, what's that teapot that's used in renders, 3D renders? I don't know. Yeah. I think I know which one you mean because there's been an update to some modeling software recently and I saw a picture of a teapot. Yeah, there is. Uh, I name... didn't know that that was a famous thing rendering a teapot. The name escapes me. I I should know it, but there is a, a teapot model. Basically, some computer graphics guy came up with a mathematical model of his wife's teapot, and it is commonly used in three uh, D software to kind of test the renderer. But oh. yeah, if you if you set three D pipes to solid and then mixed joint mode, then Every now and again, very randomly, you would get a model of this teapot appearing as one of the joints. Really? Oh, that's great. There's also the volcanoes thing, where in the... Was it in the 3D text screensaver, I think? If you set the text to volcanoes, then it would, instead of just displaying volcanoes, it would randomly pick a volcano out of a list of American volcanoes. Or world volcanoes. Oh, right. Yeah. I think, I think it was funny that they used to be called Easter eggs and now they're just called bugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, now it'd be like a major security flaw that requires like patching. <laughs> Back then it was like, oh, I'll just have a bit of fun with the code. Well, se- several years ago, Microsoft had had some kind of like 
clear code initiative or something mm. like that, where basically they put a stop to all of this, where everything had to be documented. So there's no undocumented features more or less nowadays, which is just, it's not fun anymore. They used to embed all sorts of things in. I have to say my favorite is definitely Flight Simulator in Excel. Yes. Was it Excel or XP? I don't remember. I think, it was, was three. I think it was XP, actually. The there thing. was something in Excel. There's always something in Excel. Well, it might have been 97. Which was pretty amazing because that was like a premium product for Microsoft and they just like thrown it in like a little sample of the game. A generation of people stood, stuck working on spreadsheets in offices. <laughs> Love the fact that there were games in there. Life's changed. The only one I saw was the Spy Hunter one that was in a version of Excel, 97 or 2000, something like that. Just some horribly complicated series of events of saving things as web pages and going to specific cells and then holding control and shift and clicking on the icon in the help menu and stuff. And yeah, then you get a, a 3D scrolling road with cars and you control a car and you can shoot other people and there's the Excel credits scroll on the on the road. Oh, worth it. Worth all those steps to see that. It was. The great thing about 95 as well is it's really easy to hack into as well. Was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. There was like there was a great little hack you could do, like going back to the screensaver thing, is you could change one of the screensavers to like com command, like is it command prompt? And if you saved it under a certain name, when the screensaver came up, rather than the screensaver, just like load command prompt as the system, mm. and you could then just jump straight in as the system user. That's a common Windows Seven hack as well. Mm. You know, ringing up compatibility tools, doing the same thing, replacing yeah. something with command, and then that's how you can lock get into a PC. You could also apparently bypass the uh, login screen in Windows 95 by doing Control-Alt-Delete, which brought up the task manager, and then doing file-run-explorer.exe, and then it would just log you wow. in. I don't think I've ever seen a Windows 95 login screen. No. I don't, I don't think I've ever been in an environment where it's been used you know, with more than one user account. I can't uninstall it now, just try it. <laughs> I have a virtual at home, so... <laughs> We'll all yeah, go around to David's after this. We'll go, we'll go and have a look. Yeah, and then Windows 98. So uh, did you remember themes in Windows 98? I think it came bundled with a load of themes, and there was one I always set my computer to called Inside Your Computer. <laughs> and the screensaver was a bunch of, like, uh, chips, you know, uh, microchips flying through space with the occasional bleep noise. Is that what you imagine your computer actually looked like when you're a child? Like, I mean, no. Surely it's just like that inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah now i open i don't know how many dell optiplexes a day and all there is is dust yeah and wrap it rat sweet wrappers and two p coins yeah. <laughs> yeah i had um, a simpsons screensaver as well for windows 95 it was great we'd have loved it basically it was, it was uh, the whole screen was a pizza and <laughs> Homer Simpson would take chunks, he'd bite out bites out of the pizza and it would slowly reveal the desktop. But every now and then he'd get indigestion, he'd spit out one of your desktop icons. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I got a CD with like 20 of them on. It was great. I didn't think we'd have that much to say, to be honest, about operating systems up to Windows 98. So I think what we're probably going to have to do is just leave it there on that cliffhanger. And we'll come back and we'll talk about everything up to the present day next week, if that's all right with you guys. Sure. Yeah, great. All right, great. Well, thank you both very much for joining me. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. A reminder, you can reach us at, at Unraveling Tech on Twitter. We've got our blog on unraveling.technology. And you can search us on iTunes under Unraveling Tech. Please do leave us uh, a review. Um, it means a lot and it really 
helps us uh, get in the in the public eye. And if you have any questions, do feel free to email in. You can get to us at podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk. That's all for this week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>